0: Thanks, Spencer. Thanks, worship team. Isn't it good to worship together? Man, we need it. No mass is going to keep, keep us from uh, serving our king and worshiping him together. Hey, for some of you that might be newer or it's just been so long since I've seen so many of you guys, uh, my name's Todd. I'm one of the pastors here at the chapel, and, uh, man, I've been looking forward to spending this weekend uh, with all of you. Actually, our family was um, spending some time out at Lakeside and uh, got to kind of enjoy this beautiful part of, of, the, of the lakeside. And uh, we're in a series that we've entitled The Good Life. I felt like I was living the good life. Um, but the question is really, what is the good life truly, right? And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, in, in the midst of that is what we call the Beatitudes. Jesus is really redefining what the good life looks like and how to get there, Um, Our middle daughter, Grace, she just graduated from high school and she was the senior class president. And so all year long she had been anticipating uh, giving the senior address. And of course this year it looked a lot different. Uh, She wasn't uh, standing in front of hundreds or even thousands of people in an auditorium or in a stadium sharing that. But she pre-recorded her message, just like we've been doing. She got a little bit of a taste of, of her dad's life. Uh, and, uh, but something that she said uh, in her speech, I thought, was so profound and truly quote-worthy. So I want to quote my daughter this morning. Gracie said this, at the end of the day, what you do, your job title the amount of money that you make will never be as significant or important as who you really are. Such deep wisdom there. And for the rest of her speech, she challenged the student body and really anybody that was listening uh, to really ask the question of themselves. It's a question that I want us to ask ourselves. Not what do I want to do, When I grow up, but who do I want to be when I grow up? And we're all in this process of growing up, hopefully growing more and more into the image of Jesus. And so the question, who do we want to be? I don't know about you, but as I think about that question, if I were a high schooler like Gracie getting ready to graduate, one of the probably the furthest things from my mind when asked, well, what do you want to be, was to be meek. Meek. And yet that is what Jesus in today's Beatitude is challenging and even calling us towards. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, and here's what Jesus said: God blesses those who are meek, for they will inherit the whole earth. Meek. What is meekness? So we've kind of fleshed it out a little bit more. It has the idea of being humble or gentle. It means being lowly. Not not real flashy, right? I mean, nothing that we're all chasing after. Not too many of us would have said, as a young person or even today, my goal is to be meek. We're not going to see a Nike t-shirt that says, just be meek, right? It's very cross and countercultural. But maybe that's because we really don't understand what meekness truly is. You see, meekness is so much more. It's power under control. Uh, One one person put it this way. They said, a weak person can't do anything, but a meek person, on the other hand, can do something, but chooses not to. In other words, meekness is not to be uh, compared with weakness. No, in fact, it's just the opposite. It's having the power, the ability, the wisdom, the knowledge, and yet, holding back, not using that to push yourself forward, but living in meekness and pushing other people forward. And the greatest example of meekness that ever walked this planet was Jesus himself. Look at what the author, Paul, has to write about Jesus in the book of Philippians. He says, though he was God, it's talking about Jesus, though he was God he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. See, meekness doesn't cling to, meekness doesn't grasp at, meekness doesn't chase after something or one-up others. In fact, Jesus, it says, he did not think of equality as something to cling to, but instead he did something else. He gave up. He gave up his life. The one that was the king of the world was led to a rugged cross. The Bible says, like a sleep, a sheep to the slaughter." And he did not refute it. Philippians goes on to say, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave up the rights, the powers that he had and could have used. And instead, he took the humble position, the lowly position, the meek position of a slave. When life could have been all about him and everyone serving him, Jesus made his life all about serving others. He became a slave, a slave for you, a slave for me by giving his life away and was born as a human being. And it says, when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself to obedience. To God and died a criminal's death on the cross. You guys, that is meekness. It's not weakness at all. In fact, it's the greatest power, the greatest strength, the greatest wisdom, serving others instead of serving self. And that's the kind of meekness that Jesus is calling us to. And yet I look at Jesus' example I'm like, man, I'm a far away from that, right? So it begs the question, what does does meekness look like for me? What does meekness look like for us today? And I think there's a great place for us to rediscover this good life that Jesus is trying to point us to, living in a meek and humble way. And it's found in Psalm 37. See, many commentators believe that when Jesus said, God blesses those who are meek for they will inherit the whole earth, he was actually quoting an Old Testament psalm written by David. And in Psalm 37, 11, it says this, the lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. Do you hear it there? The lowly, the meek, will possess the land. Now, David was obviously pointing to the future and talking about the 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 promised land that the Israelite nations were looking forward to, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he said the meek were the ones that would inherit the land. And when Jesus in the Beatitudes says, those who are meek, God blesses and he blesses them by them inheriting the entire earth. We'll look at that more in just a few moments. But what does it look like to live meek? Psalm 37 gives us both a picture and I think a pathway towards meekness. So I just want us to camp out on a few short verses, and they speak for themselves. First, Psalm 37, verse 5. David says, commit everything that you do to the Lord. Meek people recognize that they can't do it all, and recognize their deep and desperate need for God, and commit all of their ways to God. It's a, it's a mental decision, but then it's a lifestyle that lives itself out day after day, committing everything, everything, like our jobs, our kids, our families, our, our workplaces, uh, our education, every bit of our lives, committing that to God. But, but the hard part is what happens next. It's not just committing. Committing is, is, is putting it onto do, God's desk, But I don't know about you, uh, I can put a lot of things on God's desk. The problem is that sometimes I tend to go back into the office and, and take it back for myself, right? See, a meek person doesn't just commit their ways to the Lord, but then look at what the psalmist said next. He said, trust him and he will help you. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is the hard part. A meek person trusts God with his life. doesn't just commit all of this to the lord but then trusts puts it on god's desk but then leaves it there and trusts that god is going to have his way that god has got his best interest at at heart but trust can be a hard thing right trust means uh i'm not in control anymore and i'm trusting someone else to be in control. Trust means I don't necessarily get to have my way only, but I'm trusting that someone else is looking out for the best way in my life. And that's why David says, commit your ways to the Lord and trust him. Trust him to help you. Trust is a hard thing, even when it comes to other arenas of life. Um, so I love to mow my lawn and, uh, I've never trained our kids to mow my lawn because, well, I like it done a certain way. Anybody else with me? Any, any of you guys out there like, yep, that's me too. Don't touch it, right? Part of it, it's a relaxing thing for me. It's a therapeutic thing for me. But part of it is that I have a certain way and I like it to be done that way. Well, um, my mother-in-law uh, needed a little bit of help around her yard. And instead of me just going over and mowing or her hiring somebody else, uh, we said, "Well, Carter, our youngest, he's thirteen years old. he's ready to start mowing the lawn, not my lawn, but we'll let him mow mimi's lawn okay and so so the first the first uh, few times, I went over with Carter, and I mean I'd explain everything to him i mean i you know I showed him where it was in the in the shed, and I showed him which gas tank to use because um one time I used the wrong gas tank on papa's mower, and well, it was the gas tank that had oil in it and that didn't turn out so well, so so I made sure to train Carter to make sure that he knew which was the right uh gas tank to use, and then you know we showed him how to start it up and how to prime it, and 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 then you know I carefully walked him through all the ways the ways of Todd uh uh to, to mow a lawn, you know, and, and we go around the outside three times, and then after that, then we start doing stripes and we go this way, and the, but the next time. We go the other way. That way it starts to create that, you know, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, that beautiful pattern, yeah. But I was I was nervous to let Carter do it himself. Partially because I didn't want him to get hurt. And I mean, you're using a a motorized device with giant blades underneath, and like bad things can happen. And uh, I was also nervous because I wanted it to, you know, still be done well, done right. I didn't want anything to get damaged or, you know, some important rose bush to get chopped down inadvertently or something. And so as I began to teach Carter how to mow the lawn, I would literally walk next to him and even keep one of my hands on the mower, you know, like kind of, you know, help him out, just helping him out. But it was because I didn't fully trust him yet. It was such an encouraging afternoon when, in the middle of the day, one day, I got a text message, and it was from Carter, and it just said, hey, Dad, Mimi's lawn's all done. I said, it did? How did it get, you know, like, how did it get done? And he just did it. He had learned, and it was his. And I remember, you know, at first, Carter would be so consumed with, like, doing it my way. And, and well, how many times do I go around? The, uh, w- wait, now which way should I do it? And finally, he was, he was getting so concerned about doing it my way, like that's all he was thinking about. So finally, I had to release things. I had to release control. I had to trust him. I, and I said, Carter, here's the deal. You see the grass? See how it's like this? It just all needs to be like this. <laughs> and wherever you see grass that's sticking up too high, then that means that's where you got to mow. And, so whatever you need to do to make it even, and he did it. You know, I wonder in my life and in your life how many times, you know, we're still holding on to the side of the mower. And, and we, we want God to lead and we want God to take care. We, we want to trust him, but we just want to make sure that, you know, the lines are straight, God, or, or that he does it, you know, our way. You see, a meek person doesn't have to be in control. A meek person commits all their ways to God, and a meek person then trusts Him, trusts Him with it. And that leads to the third step on the pathway to meekness it's to be still. David said, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. Be still. And wait patiently. That's hard too, isn't it? It was interesting, in the place that we were staying this week, I kept seeing these little signs and books and different things all saying the same thing, be still. Be still. Now, being still doesn't mean just like being lethargic or not moving. It's not like, oh, hey, honey, don't don't bother me right now. I'm just being still, you know? I think what it's getting at, though, is it, it... It's not that there's no movement, but it's movement that is free from from frenzy. It's movement that's steady and secure and free from hurry and free from worry and free from, from having to have our way because there's a commitment and then there's a deep trust. And then we live and we move trusting that God's in control so that we can be still in His presence, so that we can live in a restful manner and we can wait patiently for God to do His thing. When we are still, we're living a meek life. It says, I don't have to always be the one that moves to action or that has to get it done. I'm trusting that God will lead me and lead us toward whatever does need to get done. You ever met somebody like that? Somebody that's just... Quiet and at peace and steady. I know for me, Dan Bishop, one of my mentors, is that guy for me. When when I'm a little overwhelmed, when I'm not sure what to do, when I'm I'm in a frenzy, whether it's because of family life or or maybe it's ministry life, and I just know I can text Dan or call Dan, and just his voice and just his text message that'll just simply say something like, just stay steady. Just be faithful. God's got you. Be still. That's meekness. Dan, uh, he's such a strong, wise man. And yet I've never felt judged or shamed. I just feel secure. And he points me back to the one that's in ultimate control. That's meekness. So meekness is, is committing our ways and, and then trusting God, letting go of the mower, so to speak, and then being able to be still and rest and live without the frenzy and the fanaticism. And that leads to the fourth and final step, is don't worry. Because when we commit and trust and, and release it, we can stop worrying. We can stop fretting about all the details, Right? And, and David, who was under attack and was oftentimes in precarious situations, says, don't worry about evil people, evil people who, who prosper or fret. Don't fret about their wicked schemes. He's saying, get, your, get our focus off of other people and just focus on God and focus on ourselves. Don't feel like we've got to fix everybody or everything. He says, don't worry. And then he says, turn from your rage. And I love the next line. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. See, that's what meekness is. Meekness is having the ability to do something, but choosing not to. It's having the ability to be angry, or to call that person out, or to react in a certain way, but it's choosing not to, to not lose our anger. That's meekness. It's strength and power and wisdom that is under control and authority. He says doing that will only lead to harm when we lose our temper. And all of, we know that's true, don't we? We say things, we do things that we never should have because we're not living meek. And Jesus is calling us to the meek life. There's a promise that's that's harnessed to this. Jesus doesn't say, "Oh, just be meek because I told you so." He says, "Live meek because there's a promise, there's a hope, there's a future, there's a there's something that I want you to discover." And Jesus said, "God blesses those who are meek, for they will inherit the whole earth." I wonder why Jesus said this. I think there's there's two reasons. I think in one way Jesus is looking back He's he's saying, look back to the Garden of Eden when I created the first man and woman in my image, and then God did what? He gave them the garden, everything that was, and he said, it's yours. Take care of it. All of this is yours. And yet now life is filled with sin and, and creation is marred, and we find ourselves grasping again and chasing after Well, God has said, it's already yours. (laughs) So there's both a looking back, but there's, I think, also a looking forward. And that Jesus is pointing to a day in the new heavens and the new earth when all will be made right again. And we will inherit all that he has for us. There's a a future that awaits the meek. There's There's a good life, a blessed life. That Jesus is inviting us to. In his book called Love Does, Bob Goff talks about living with palms up. And he talks about with his clients, sometimes in the courtroom or in a in a in a, a situation where they're trying to negotiate. He'll tell his clients that he they need to put their hands palms up underneath the table. And he's really like, strong about this. In fact, he, he says that if he looks under the table and he sees his client with their hands down or their hands clenched, he'll kick them in the shins. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to do this for me. Just open up your hands for a minute and hold them flat. He says, he says the thing about this is, it must be something about how God has hardwired us. Because when, when we live like this, it's easy to lead to anger and frustration and holding Grasping. But when we live like this, when when we're meek, when we're humble, when we're open, that God can move in some pretty powerful and profound ways. Bob Goff says, it was Jesus that taught me that there's nothing that I could really lose if I had Him. I can live open-handed, in other words. So he says he taught me to be palms up, just like he, Jesus, was. Palms up means you have nothing to hide and nothing to gain and nothing to lose. Why? Because we have it all in Christ. He says, palms up means you're strong enough to be vulnerable. That's meekness strong enough to be vulnerable, even with your enemies, even when you've been tremendously wronged, Jesus was palms up to the end. He was meek and lowly and yet he was the king of all the earth. He had all the power, all the wisdom. But he lived like this. What would happen if we lived like Jesus? Jesus said, God will bless the meek and they will inherit the whole earth. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you that you love us like no other. Thank you that you're patient with us. Thank you that you invite us to commit all of our life to you and help us learn to trust you to to let go and help us to learn to be still to quit grasping and clinging for power or prestige or control and help us to Discover the blessing, the good life that comes when we live in meekness like you. Jesus, we need you to help us with that. We release our life to you. Release our worries, the things that we would want to control, whether it's things or people. And Jesus, we pray, that we would be more like you this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, our team is going to come and they'll dismiss you row by row. We're so glad that you guys were here this weekend at the chapel. Thanks to our middle school ministry that kicked off this morning and our kids' ministry. They're outside playing and having fun. And let's keep helping each other move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. Have a great rest of your Sunday.